Now, the text says that the owner, or the shepherd, had 100 sheep. 100 sheep's a large flock, so that means this guy was rich. He, was, he wasn't one with just a few. He was loaded, okay? Um, and he would have therefore needed to employ people to help look after his sheep. He wouldn't have just been able to do it on his own. That's too many. But interestingly, the text says it's the owner, not the employee, who goes out to find the sheep. He doesn't sit back and just go, oh, you go get it. Off you go. He's the one who goes. I found that really interesting. You see, he realises how valuable that sheep is. He realises how important that sheep is. And that sheep is. So he's going to go and find it. Now, I don't know. Have you ever lost anything precious? Have a think, have a think. One of my worst moments of my life was when I lost my daughter, Grace. You can laugh, but honestly, it was, it was awful. She was 18 months, two years. She was the cutest little girl, and I know that I'm biased. She had big, beautiful brown eyes, and she was just scrummy. And I was, I'd taken Reuben to school. He was in reception. This is pre-pandemic, when the corridors were full of parents and you couldn't move. And um, I'd left him in his class safe. And we'd gone out, and she was in front of me, school either. And I stopped to talk to a member of staff with the throngs of parents. They didn't have a one-way system at this school either, so it was like just bedlam. And um, she didn't realise I'd stopped, and I didn't realise she didn't know that I'd stopped. And I stopped to talk to the member of staff, and when I turned around, she was gone. This tiny dot in this sea of people... And I was terrified. I was so, so terrified. I was terrified someone had picked her up, like just taken her. Um, and so I legged it out to the, the road at the front of the school. Couldn't see her. I was shouting and calling for her. Couldn't see her anywhere. Couldn't hear her. Grace has always been very articulate. I couldn't hear her. Um, I legged it back into the school. I was looking around all the classrooms. I was going in absolute nuts. I was making quite a noise as people started to join me. I was absolutely desperate. And um, for what felt like forever, but it was probably only 10 minutes, I was searching everywhere. And in my franticness, um, other people had joined me, which was wonderful. And I wheeled around, I can still remember right now, I wheeled around to see the deputy head who had been standing out by the road, carrying grace towards me. I've never felt so grateful. And um, she said to me, Beth, she just walked up to me and said, I've lost my mummy. And she scooped her up, knowing that I'd be looking for her. Anyway, I grabbed Grace. I held her so tight, like so tight, and held it together until I left the school. Um, but you see, I didn't send anyone else to look at her. I didn't go, it's fine, I'll have a cup of tea, you guys go. She was my daughter. My heart was so part of her and her with me. I couldn't let anyone else go in my place despite my emotion. So let's go back to that desert, okay? This, this shepherd. It's been a hot, dusty day. Just picture it. Hot and dusty. Worse than the heat of today. Really, really hot. The employees are all around that massive flock of sheep. They're tired. They're trying to stay alert. Maybe they're brilliant. There's a regular head count throughout the day. 98, 99, 100. Brilliant. Got them. Okay. And again, next time again, 98, 99, 100. Winner, they're still here. 98, 99, no, 100. Let's, we'll just do that again. Muscular one. 98, 99, nothing. Oh, there's a sheep gone. Just imagine that slight panic. Um, 
Who tells the boss? I don't know. I wouldn't want to be that person. Who goes, oh, maybe one of them took their eyes off the flock. Maybe, you know, they had a split moment of losing concentration. Or they were helping another sheep and one just escaped. So they look around. Surely it's here. It can't have gone far. Can't see it anywhere. I mean, the desert is just vast, isn't it? It's just huge. So where has the sheep gone? And it's vulnerable to predators and it's vulnerable to injury. And the shepherd's like, I'm going. He doesn't even, like, have a chat. He's just gone to find it. Will he find it? Will it be injured? Will he have to fight with predators, lions, bears? Will it cost him his life? But he's willing because that sheep is precious. So he walks and walks, listening for any, any, any noise. It's costly. It's costing him time and energy. It could be his dinner time. He could be needing some food. He keeps going, keeps walking, and finally he hears that bleat. And it's a weak bleat, but he gets to the sheep and he finds the sheep. It's dirty, it's probably hurt, it's probably tangled in debris, it's probably confused. And sheep tend to be absolutely paralysed when they're frightened. They're just a block of sheep, okay? And so he talks really tenderly to it. He's not gonna, I doubt he's going to tell it off. He's just going to be glad to have found it. He calmly and gently frees it. He knows it's tired and frightened. He knows it needs to stay close. So he hoists it onto his shoulders, just like I held Grace close. And he carries it home. And the sheep lets him do just that. Prized home, he rejoices with his friends and family because he's found his sheep. He's found this treasured, prized possession. Now you, all of you, are that sheep. I am that sheep. Our Jesus seeks us out every single day. It cost him everything, absolutely everything. He willingly went to the cross for you. He died a criminal's death and he gave you a way out of sin because he gloriously rose again, giving us hope and the promise of eternal life. So why is Jesus hanging out with the riffraff of society? They'd been found because they were that sheep. And he knew that. Through repentance they'd been found because his love drives his behaviour. Because divine love goes out to seek the sinner before they repent. Divine love makes that first move. It doesn't wait for us to say, yeah, we'll get on board. He's the one who makes that first move. And there's no place for guilt in it. The Holy Spirit brings conviction, not condemnation. So you, you, I am that sheep. Because your value is determined by him and him alone. You can't change that. That is highly... He loves you and he seeks you out. You are his highly valued daughter. He has placed his crown on your head for eternity cost him everything it's massive if you've been around church a while like me you get a bit used to hearing this but it's so important that we don't get numb to it it's huge it's easy to minimize this life-changing truth but let's soak it in see i've got a theory that we're as women potentially not very good at letting ourselves be loved we tend to minimize it Maybe we reject compliments. Someone says to you, oh, you look nice. Uh, oh, whatever. You know, 
we're not very good at, at, at receiving love all the time. We believe the lies of the media, and there are many, telling us that our identity and our worth is in what we look like and what we do. But what does he do when he finds you? He doesn't chastise you. He doesn't criticise you. He gently tends to you. He cleans your wounds and he holds you close. Maybe you're not used to that. Maybe you've been criticised from being a little girl and now your inner voice is your biggest critic. Maybe you just don't believe you're worthy. Every accept this, but it can't be for you. Maybe it feels selfish just to accept this magnitude of love because it's massive, isn't it? Maybe you're suspicious. It's just a bit too good to be true. There must be a catch. But the truth stands. And we have a choice as to whether we choose to align with Jesus or with the lies of the enemy. Right? So there isn't a middle ground. The Bible's quite clear on that. The Bible tells us the enemy prowls around like a predator, seeking to draw people away. Often he'll ride in on something good, and before you know it, you're lost, caught up in a, a crowd or just the wrong way, like my little girl was. And, you, and you suddenly you're drifting and you're far away. And you, how did I get here? And we have to be alert because apathy often paves the way to being lost. It's easy to get a bit caught up, really. Jacinta, last month, she, she preached on digging out falsehoods, didn't she? And digging out, and that really stuck with me. And it's still true this month. Like, we've still got to keep digging out those falsehoods, those lies that we believe, that maybe we don't even realise we believe, but the Holy Spirit can help us to know what those are. Because let's imagine an army of daughters believing to the depths of our souls that we are who our Creator says we are, that we choose to believe make mistakes, that we're valued, treasured, highly sought after, that we are invited to join in with the creator of the universe's story. But then, you see, that's not going to just stay within us, is it? It's going to overflow. So then that's going to overflow into raising our own children in this truth, rejecting the lies from social media, living out our marriages, our friendships, and our parenting in this truth, redefining beauty and value, bringing hope and restoration. Wouldn't the world look different? Wouldn't it be a different place? And it starts with me, and it starts with you. Will I dare to believe that he values me, seeks me, and all for me every single day? It's not just a one-off thing. It's truth I think we need to be reminded of every day because the lies are there every day, right? So, um... I don't think I've ever shared this testimony at church before, so I'm going to go there. But a while ago, longer than I care to admit, when I was at university, um, in my first year, we we were in a a flat of random people put together. We didn't know each other before we lived together. And um, one of the girls in my flat um, suffered terribly with anorexia and bulimia. Um, It was a really, really cruel illness. And um, I spent quite a lot of time with her. She was on the same course as me, and as well as living together. And um, she was very honest and open, and we had quite a good friendship, if I'm honest. Um, but you see, the enemy got in my head, starting to feed me the lies that my body didn't look like it should, that I wasn't as beautiful as I should be, 
that I needed to do certain things to make myself more attractive. Should, should you be eating that, Beth? Should you not? All those, the cal- how many calories are in that? All those thoughts just starting to trickle. And um, he's clever because, you see, I was without my scaffolding of my close family and friends. I wasn't yet in this wonderful church. And I was getting there, but I wasn't known. And I, I was vulnerable, really vulnerable. Um, and I remember going home at Christmas and saying to my mum, Mum, I'm really worried that I'm slipping towards an eating disorder. Like, I, I can see where it can end up, and I, I feel really frightened because my mind is frightening me. And unless I say this out loud, I feel like I'm just, just slipping. And she said to me, Beth, I love my mum for this, Beth, you need to speak some truth over your soul. She said, speak some scriptures over yourself. And I know I've shared this part here at church before, but that's where the post-it notes came from. So that's where I wrote on my middle verses, on my post-it notes, the one about my body being a temple of the Holy Spirit, and I stuck it on my mirror because I knew I'd look in my mirror. And every time I looked in my mirror, I spoke that truth over myself. I saw it and I heard it. Something happened. There was a shift in my soul. And at the same time, I felt the Holy Spirit he helped me to work out my salvation in it. It says that in Philippians 2, doesn't it? That we need to work out our salvation with him. It's not a striving thing. He'll empower us to do it. I stopped reading certain magazines and I stopped weighing myself because I was becoming obsessive about it. And those two things just helped to steer me right again. Which just I read two books, one of which is on the bookstore later, which just clarified the truth of God's love for me and who I was. And I partnered with an old lady at, at our church. She's no longer part of um, this family. She's up in Scotland. But I partnered with her and we prayed together and we sought God's truth together. And it wasn't quick. It wasn't a quick fix, but it was so worth it. It was so painful, but it gave me such a strong foundation. And I finally accepted that I was worthy of his deep love, not because of what I did or how I looked, but because of whose I was, and I am. It transformed everything. I had this sense of truth every time I looked in the mirror. I actually liked what I saw. I had weapons of truth ready for when those lies came, because believe me, they still come. They still come. This week, they've come, knowing that I'm preaching tonight, they've come. But I had weapons of truth, and I felt empowered rather than victimised. I felt a sense of, actually... Who can stop the Lord God Almighty? That truth is real and powerful. And you see, as I started to live in the truth of who I was and am, I saw other areas transformed. One massive one was that I could love others to a greater extent. Graciousness took the place of judgment and criticism. Because you see, when I was judgment and critical of myself, it would overflow into my thoughts of others. It It was horrible. And it just took place his love and grace took that place his Matthew 22 39 it says the second big commandment is love your neighbor as yourself love your neighbor as yourself we can't fully love others if we don't love ourselves and we can't make ourselves love ourselves we've got to have his help we can't show our kindness and compassion forgiveness and love if we haven't received these every single day because once we have a glimpse of how much he loves and values us help 
and how it's that that drives his, his yeah, desire sorry, to seek us out, we can't help but join him in searching for others. It's this beautiful domino effect. And we'll see joining him as an invitation, not an obligation. It's not like, oh, I'm a Christian, so I've got to do it. It's just this overflow. We'll see the value of the soul over the cost that it will require of us. And we'll stop for the one in front of us because he stopped for us, because he sought us out, because we are that sheep. Do you want the band to come back? Um, hope now, just low of what I felt he's given me has come across. Um, we're going to have a song now just to reflect on the preach and just to, to, to respond in worship. And I've got some... Um, points for reflection that Tim's going to kindly pop up after this song based on the preach but I'll read them out now and then we'll discuss round tables but the first one is what barriers stop you from believing you are valued and loved by him is there anything practical you can do that you feel is drawing you to do like for me it was stopping those magazines stopping weighing myself and getting alongside a lady at church who is he inviting you to join in the search for and will you join him? So be blessed. Be prayerful in it. There's no striving allowed. Okay? Be led by him. And um, let's come before him and worship him, knowing that you're valued and loved. Thank you. picture of him just going out and searching that circle for us so if you want to just sit and receive or you can come and worship 